welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 31 and part of our multifamily brief series. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. This is your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. You know, this is episode number two with uh, my friend and our SEC attorney, Dugan Kelly. We're talking about, you know, all things related to the SEC today. So that said, Dugan, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me again. Happy to be back. Love, love the show, brother. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Uh, so why don't you give everybody just a brief introduction um, to, to you as a person, what you do, and then we'll, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this one. So I'm an attorney by background, been practicing for over 20 years. We have a, a boutique. I own a boutique uh, law firm with a national footprint. We've got offices in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, and Santa Barbara, California. We provide full services for our clients. My personal practice is in the area of real estate, mostly commercial real estate transactions and securities, which means that when you get your LOI accepted, I help clients from the acceptance of their LOI all the way to the closing table on the real estate side. And I also help them structure their their security offering. So when they want to go out and actually raise money from private investors, we help them do that in a legally compliant way to make sure that they can actually get that loan and get those keys to the apartment building for their investors. Nice. Yeah. And and today I I think we're going to talk a lot about this legal compliance. There's a lot that's been said. And I think a lot of things get thrown around about, you know, what you can and can't do specifically when you're doing, you know, a 506B offering. So if you could, for a second, let's, let's just talk about what a 506B is and briefly compare it to a 506C, and then we'll get into the do's and don'ts of 506Bs. Sure. Yeah. So as Brian kind of alluded to, the the vast majority of syndications that are taking place throughout the United States are what we call Regulation D offerings. Regulation D in the private offering space, we're looking for exemptions. What exemptions exempt us from actually having to publicly register our offering, right? Mm -hmm. We're not IBM. We're not Apple. We're not these big companies doing IPOs. We are engaged in the private offering space. So the two big exemptions that exempt us from having to publicly register our offering are in the Reg D space. They're 506B or Mm -hmm. 506C. And the differences, there are a couple of very notable differences, the biggest of which is in 506C, you can advertise, mm-hmm. meaning you can use social media, you can blast out generally to the world, you can put it on a bus bench if you wanted to, or a billboard or run a radio ad. But the vast majority of syndications that take place in the United States are in the 506B space, be like buddies. Mm-hmm. And you can't advertise. This is the historical rule that the SEC set up to, to essentially protect investors. And that says you cannot generally solicit investors for your offering. Mm-hmm. And the reason behind that is if you're going to allow non-accredited investors, right? These are investors that don't meet that strict financial criteria for the SEC. If you're going to allow them to invest, you don't want them to be able to invest theoretically with strangers, 
with people that they don't have a relationship with, that they don't know. And so in a 506B offering, we have the ability to bring in 30, up to 35, what the SEC calls sophisticated investors. Mm -hmm. But these are investors that we, that we cannot solicit. So we should always have a pre-existing or substantive relationship with these people or enough information that we know that these people can, one, uh, properly evaluate the risks and merits associated with the investment. Two, that they potentially could understand that they do understand that they could lose their total investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if the property goes south or what whatever happens, and three that they're using this for their own account, meaning they're buying the interest in your company that's going to own the apartment building for themselves, not for somebody else, right? They're not going to mm-hmm. flip it. This isn't a a flipping business. So those differences are very notable, but. In the 506B space, where you're allowing your friends, your family, right? The most of the people syndicate in the 506B space, and I'm often asked why. Well, the reason why I think is a couple, is twofold. One is the vast majority of people that we know may not be accredited investors. My family members or my close friends or people that I grew up with, maybe they they don't. Uh, meet the strict definition of a credit investor, but yet they still want to be able to invest. Well, the 506B space says, fine, they can invest. Mm -hmm. But me sending them an email or me talking to them about the offering, the SEC says that's not a solicitation because I have a pre-existing substantive relationship with them. So if I have a pre-existing substantive relationship, they're not a stranger they can evaluate the merits and risks associated with the transaction. Then I can talk to them about my offering and it's not a violation. In the 506C space, as long as they're an accredited investor, I can advertise. So those are the key, those are some key, key definite, you know, key differences between those two that I think a lot of people kind of mistake. And there's a lot of, you know, social media blasting, out on, on yeah. 506B offerings, and that should not be taking place. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little more in detail. So ju- just sum it up, 506C, you can advertise anywhere you want, but you're limited to accredited investors only. 506B, for your buddies, you have to have a pre-existing relationship to basically talk to them about the deal that you have, and you're limited to 35 non-accredited investors or sophisticated investors, correct? That's right. Michelle? All right. So let's let's go into the, the social media space and, and do's and don'ts. You know, what can you do? What can't you do? Well, if you're doing a 506C offering, the rules are very simple. You can advertise. Mm-hmm. So you can use Instagram. You can use LinkedIn. You can use, you know, you can use Facebook podcasts, ads. Facebook yeah. ads. You could do... You can do, frankly, anything as long as it's it's not fraudulent. Meaning, you always got to be uh, truthful, honest, and transparent in your offerings. But five hundred six C, the world is your oyster, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can basically advertise on a five hundred six B. You got to be very, very selective with whom you're actually delivering your offering to, mm-hmm. which means. 
you're not going to go to your 3000 BFFs on your Facebook list. <laughs> you're not going to do that. Why? Because you don't have 3000 BFFs. You don't right. know 3000 people that you know whether they can properly evaluate the risks and merits of, of, of this particular situation. So you're going to be more selective. You would not uh, set up a public uh, Facebook uh, group. Anything that is publicly available that's not password protected or you don't have some sort of vetting procedure to narrow down people that actually get access to your actual offering in the 506B space where you have, you have established a relationship with them, you have vetted whether they are a sophisticated or an accredited investor, uh, you've developed that relationship, you've allowed them to ask you questions, They've, and then you've asked them questions about their track record. Uh, that's a, that's a, that is a seasoning process. Mm-hmm. It's not one that takes a particular amount of time uh, the SEC says there is no set amount of time, but they look at the qualitative nature of those contacts. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have those with your 3000 BFFs on Facebook, then the reality is you should not be sending them your offering because mm-hmm. it is not suitable for you to send your offering or to engage in what the SEC calls conditioning the market. So if you're kind of dropping hints or posts on social media that are either directly or indirectly intended to drive new investors to you, that is what we call softening or preconditioning or conditioning the market. And that's not, that's not what you want to do. That's a, that's a violation. So what's an example of something that uh, like a blatant example of something that's preconditioning the market on, on Facebook? Right. Somebody just saying, hey, we just went under contract. We're projecting a 12% cash on cash for a year. Our exit strategy is uh, two years. Hit me up if you're interested in learning more about this awesome opportunity. Exclamation point. Yeah. And obviously that's that's blatant. Right. That's blatant. Right. Yeah. But but the people posting that, Maybe they have the best of intentions. They may mm-hmm. not even understand that that is by any stretch of the imagination conditioning the market that's engaged in what we would call prohibited solicitation of potential investors, mm-hmm. particularly if you're if you're in the 506B space we're talking about, right? Yep. Uh, but it's I think it's natural for people to want other people to know they have a company. I think it's natural for people to want other people to know what their company generically does, right? We're in the real estate uh, investment business. We buy and sell apartment buildings around the country. There's nothing per se wrong or improper about people knowing that. But if the only time that you ever post on social media is when you have a deal under contract, I mean, the SEC and other people that are not dumb, they're going to look at the totality of essentially what is your historical Mm -hmm. track record to see whether what you're doing really is conditioning the market. So the best advice is if you're in the 506B space, try to avoid talking about any particular deal, offering, property, 
uh, returns to investors, projected returns, uh, all of those things, what would be the point of doing mm-hmm. so, right? Other right. than to potentially get more investors uh, to to talk to you, to want to right. potentially invest in your deal, which would be a violation. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how excited you are, if you're doing a 506B, avoid the, hey guys, we're under contract on this awesome building or, hey, look at our due diligence trip. This was great. So you're saying avoid avoid that um, I would avoid. I would avoid that. I would stick to generalities. If you want to post stuff like that, then you need to create closed mm-hmm. uh, loops of only people that you know that you have a pre-existing substance relationship with. Because okay. remember, it's going to be your burden, not anyone else's burden, to be able to demonstrate to the SEC or regulatory body, the state mm-hmm. security board that is asking you for information about that Instagram post. It's going to be your burden to demonstrate that the people that actually received that Instagram post or that LinkedIn thing or that Facebook post or the or any number of, of things that are posted out there right. that you had a pre-existing relationship and therefore you were not soliciting, Right. So uh, people think that it's the, the, the criteria is the pre-existing substantive relationship. That's not the criteria. The criteria is don't engage in solicitation. Mm-hmm. So the number one way we can avoid engaging in solicitation is by having a pre-existing substantive relationship with somebody such that we know that they are a sophisticated or an accredited investor. Nice. So you want to be always keeping that in the forefront of your brain, especially when you're doing a 506B offering. Good enough. Good enough. Yeah, I like that. I think that that's solid. That's going to keep people uh, on the straight and narrow, so to speak. Hey, and Dugan, one, one more question. Okay, so so you meet somebody new for the first time and, and you want right. to eventually you know offer something to them. What kind of records should you keep or how, how should you go about making sure that if the burden is on you to do that, what would you recommend that a syndicator does to make sure that when the SEC comes knocking on your door, you can just say, here it is. I tell clients all the time, maintain your investor files and keep a separate file for each potential investor, whether mm-hmm. they invest or not, right? So if you're in the business of buying and selling multifamily or raising private equity or selling your own securities, because that's really what we're talking about, yep. syndicators selling their own securities, you're going to want to be able to demonstrate the person that you met at the gym six months ago that mm-hmm. had caught you had coffee with. Uh, twice or a beer with or whatever, you're going to want to be able to demonstrate to the regulatory authorities that you did have a pre-existing relationship with. You're going to want to be able to say, hey, uh, he filled out a, he or she filled out a an accredited uh, questionnaire. Here it mm-hmm. is. And it was on this date. And I sent them this email saying, here are some things for you to think about. And I asked them questions about what their track record was or what their, what their pet peeves were, what their mm-hmm. investment philosophy was. And they asked me the same questions. That kind of continuum of dialogue and the historical memorialization or tracking of that mm-hmm. is what you want to be able to demonstrate. You don't want, if somebody says, well, how did you meet Brian? And I say, 
I don't know. I think I met Brian at, right? That's yeah. not, that's not going to be good enough. And so if it's your burden, you want to try to keep as much of that historical dialogue or connecting with people as possible so that if you were pushed to have to demonstrate that in the future, you could easily demonstrate it uh, for anyone that was looking for that. Okay, nice. So, so basically, you know, keep records. And you know, I, I know a lot of a lot of the experienced syndicator people who've done a couple of deals. There, there's a lot of uh, uh, you know software programs, you know, a, uh, applications that'll actually do a lot of that for you and keep the records for you. Um, but otherwise, you know, it'd be incumbent on each person to keep your own file on each investor. You know, documenting, you know, conversations, emails, and and everything else. Just just so you can prove to the SEC if they come knocking um, that you followed the regulations. Amen. That's right. Perfect. All right. Well, hey, Dugan, you know, appreciate so much your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. And and last question for this episode: How can people get in touch with you? Hey, so I've got a unique name, right, Dugan? So you could easily uh, track me down through. You can Google foo me, right? You can find me easily through that. You could drop me an email, Dugan at KellyClark.com. You can pull us up on the website. Give me a ring. Happy to chat with any of you about your how we might serve your needs. Perfect. All right. Look forward to talking to you again. And uh, that's a wrap for this one. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.